Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello, everybody. Ian Dinwiddie was my guest on the LinkedIn Live Conversation Show today. Ian is a dad advocate in the UK and the founder of Inspiring Dads. He was a podcast guest on the show about a year ago. We followed up today to talk about a multitude of different topics, from flexible work, transferable skills from unpaid care work, Ian's own podcast, Lockdown Dads, together with James Miller, to why men's work-life balance matters for everyone. Hello, Ian. Hi, Karen. How are you? Very good. It is so nice to see you again. After nearly a year since we've talked on the podcast, Job Sharing and Beyond. So welcome to LinkedIn Live Conversations. Hi, yo, thank you very much for inviting me. It's actually my first LinkedIn Live and I've been I've been eagerly pressing the button there, requesting my own access to LinkedIn Live, but so far no no um no go on that one. So yeah, thank you for inviting me back on. You're very welcome. And yes, um it in my case as well, it took a few times. So one just needs to reapply, basically. That's what I've learned. Um now for people who don't know you yet. I love to have my guests introduce themselves in the working out loud method by basically sharing five facts about themselves. If you could do this, please. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I guess fact number one relevant for today is I'm the founder of a business called Inspiring Dads. We help stress dads to balance work and fatherhood. I've got two children. I've got an 11-year-old and eight-year-old. My 11-year-old's just started secondary school, which has been quite an eye-opener in terms of managing kids in different places and just the sheer complexity of moving up from primary school. So that's been that's been really interesting. Uh, I was a National League hockey umpire, field hockey umpire in England, and I'm hopefully to go back to that. And I think the fifth fact, uh, which is a bit of a quirky one, is, uh, is hockey related as well, is that when I was at university, I played hockey for three years with half of Coldplay. Wow, that is pretty awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. And I would also like to welcome everybody who is watching us live right now and anybody who is able to catch us afterwards in the, the replay. So if you have any particular question you would like to ask Ian, please put it into the comments. And now I would like to learn some more since we've talked We've been speaking about, you know, normalizing flexible work. And what's been so interesting, I feel, is now when flexible work is being talked about, there is hybrid, there is remote. And so I'm trying to just sort of gauge from you, what have you been experiencing talking to people, talking to your client about, um, you know, the how people basically look at flexible work nowadays? I think it's been really interesting for dads over the last 18 months outside of the, the challenges of um, you know, challenges of COVID and all being under one roof and obviously different people's experiences can be really 
you know, it can be profoundly different depending on how easy it is it to work from home. What kind of support structures do you have? Are you two? Are you a couple who are both trying to work? All those things have, uh, you know, are factors that make things particularly complicated and can make things really complicated. But I think throughout that, the, the overriding feeling that I get from dads and, and the way that dads talk about their experience is that they're really grateful to have connected with their children in a way that they, that they realize and are, and are quite really aware of that, that 18 months before just wasn't possible. It wasn't seen as doable. I mean, a great example from, from a client I'm working with at the moment, where he works in a, a regulated industry, he works within banking. And historically, there was absolutely no way that you could do that job from home. It wasn't safe. It wasn't secure. However, obviously, that job has been done successfully from home for the entire period of the pandemic. And now coming out of that, everyone in that team, small team, they're all going to work from, they're going to be in the office four days a week, but they've fundamentally changed to one day a week, they're going to be from home. Exactly how that will work for the team um, is, is, you know, is up for grabs a little bit. But fundamentally it has changed what can be what's seen as possible and I think it's opened men's eyes dad's eyes in particular as to there shouldn't have to be a trade-off between you know being a great dad and having a great career you shouldn't have to sacrifice one for the other and actually men in some ways are facing the challenge that women have faced for an entire generation of how to balance both and not wanting to feel guilty or not wanting to take shortcuts and to be be good at everything um, whereas perhaps historically men have have only needed to to focus on uh, on the work side of things and now they realize actually there's a whole other world that they really want to be part of and that's the family life thank you so much for sharing and i think what is so interesting as well is you know as you're describing the home life the whole COVID experience has really shown that what previously might have been invisible work has become very apparent that care work indeed is real work. And but also that there are, um, you know, transferable skills that can be learned from care work. And um, now you have spoken on your podcast, um, The Lockdown Dads, together with James Miller, with many different um, guests. And um, one guest, for example, spoke about returning back from um, being a stay-at-home dad. And so I'm curious if you could share a little bit more about you know, your, your experience and, and all the guests you have had. Yeah, uh, well, we had 46, we did 46 episodes, James and I, of Lockdown Dads podcast, um, and split into sort of roughly Four sort of four sort of seasons, and we we had a real eclectic mix of um, eclectic mix of people. We talked to a couple of comedians early on, Philip Simons and Tien and Duberg, and that was really powerful because their entire livelihoods had collapsed overnight, and it just wasn't possible to be a comedian in the way that it had been. So there's some quite powerful kind of conversations about men who are in really struggling to. To earn a living in some ways, um, we had a couple of uh, we had a couple of MPs, one ex MP, one current sort of MP. Um, they both brought their kids into the uh, wow. into the fray, which is quite interesting um, because um, you know that was something that not everyone did. But actually, the MPs are quite used to bringing in and and humanising themselves, I guess, in some ways. So that was that was really interesting. We talked about there's a lady called Olga Fitzroy. We talked about the um, the equal parental pay parental pay equality campaign in the UK, which 
is based on the fact that while an employee, a man employed in a business um, working for someone is entitled to a minimum of two weeks of paternity leave, may not take it, but they're entitled to two weeks of statutory paternity leave, so about £150 a week. Um, if you're self-employed, there is no statutory um, there is no statutory provision, and it's the same for if you're a self-employed man as it is for a self-employed woman. So there's an entire there's an entire group of of parents who don't get any help with being a parent, which and it's purely down to their employment status. So wow. talking to Olga was really really interesting. Uh, I get you know it's we, we talked to John Adams, who is a number one sort of dad blogger, uh, and we uh, and I think most uh, I mean the one that's the one that stood out in terms of something that was a little bit different, uh, but also had, also was applicable for everyone, was we we spoke to Will Champion, who's the drummer of Coldplay. And it was really interesting to talk about his role as a father and how generic his experience was in lockdown and also his role within the band. So it was quite interesting to dive into how you maintain, for men, how you maintain a relationship, a working relationship between friends for a long period of time and how you go about that. And actually, kind of work-life balance for them is scheduling tours, or historically was scheduling tours around the school holidays. Wow! And how they went about doing that, and they a lot of them they had kids at the same time, and so actually they very deliberately built their built Coldplay around work-life balance and what was what was um, you know what would work for the kids. So that was really interesting. We learned about adoption. Um, uh, Jamie Beaglehole from Daddy and Dad. So uh, they adopted. They adopted boys, um, a couple of boys from a family, uh, and as a, as a gay couple then, and some of the challenges of going the hoops they went through and, and, and becoming sort of cheerleaders for the adoption process. So something slightly different. So yeah, I, I mean, there were 46 guests. So uh, I, would, I would probably, if I had to make a list, I'd probably, I'd probably miss people out. But every, every single one had something different and interesting to say about um, fatherhood and the and and perhaps you know diversity and inclusion, the role of men within that in in some form or other. So yeah, really really interesting experience. Yeah, and I saw that you also talked about job sharing, which um, yeah. I'm obviously very interested about. Mm. And um, so one of the things, based on your you know conversation with so many dads during that um last period of um you know um time in the lockdown was really um now there is a lot of you know great resignation coming up because mm. people really spend that time to be able to think more what do they want so you've recently written a blog article which i loved the great dead reset could you share some more yeah so th this was um something that um a friend of ours one of the guests actually on on lockdown dads hanson lee who's just um he's just gone full-time in daddy life which is a parenting platform um, for supporting dads, very research-driven daddy life are. And he he asked me whether I could write sort of 300 words or so about you know, dads and, and careers and that sort of thing. And and I, I I like the idea of this this idea of a reset. It's um it's language that's used probably in more negative terms, as in terms of perhaps sort of a societal reset or maybe the economy resetting and some kind of disruption. But I thought it was really appropriate because I think. Um, 
I think it's that sense that dads have our eyes have been open to a different way of working and a different way of constructing their work and, and how they work and where they work. And actually it, it's becoming, I think there are still there are still plenty of parts of society and certainly government in the UK uh, who are promoting that everyone needs to be back at work as if people haven't been working. But a lot of that kind of narrative, I think, is driven by um, it's driven by the economy, the city centre economy. And I get that and understand why it's important from a bigger picture. However, that sort of it's very binary. I think that's what's quite interesting about sort of the whether you call it a dad reset or whatever you call it, dad, men and dads having their eyes opened is that we need to move away from this binary notion that actually we're either always at work or always at home and there's nothing in between. I mean, it's quite easy. You know, you, you have a at home or at work camp. You can, it's easy to divide and kind of create debate in that sense. But actually a blended approach, something that takes into consideration what businesses want and what individuals want and actually ask men don't just assume that because they're a man they don't have a responsibilities that have built up over the last 18 months or so you know assuming that men will go back into the office because they're men and we tell them to is just a um it's a recipe for disaster if other businesses who you're competing with talent aren't doing that and they're being and you'll see it with you know certainly professional services and banking in london you're seeing uh you know people like goldman sachs I think it's this chief exec of Goldman Sachs said that working from home was an aberration, which didn't say much for the um, exactly, you know, how hard his staff had presumably worked for 15 months under difficult circumstances. And I think some kind of blended approach is the is the answer. And that's what men are looking for. And that's what the surveys surveys consistently say. And I think I don't know, 40, is it 40 percent of workers, I think. Uh, McKinsey research suggests that 40% were considering moving jobs, would strongly consider moving jobs if they didn't get the flexibility that they that they expected. Yeah. Like yeah. And it's, you know, it's so interesting that you are saying this because you're also going to soon give a um, presentation. And I loved the title, Why Men's Work-Life Balance Matters for Everyone, because often um, this is more associated, you know, in people's mind with women. So if you could, you know, talk a little yeah. bit more about that. It's kind of my keynote, it's kind of my keynote speech. I don't want to give away everything, Karen. <laughs> okay, little, maybe some joking. little tidbits. <laughs> joking aside, no, I, I'm joking. So um, I first did this presentation about two, two years ago for a company in London called Actors Fund Management Company that my wife used to work at. And... Uh, and that's what that was the title. And then I wrote a I wrote an article. There's a quite long. If you go into go into my LinkedIn profile, if you're watching this on LinkedIn, it's quite easy to do. Um, if you look under articles, there is an article. It's four thousand words, which is why men's work life balance matters to everyone. But the, it it kind of it, it goes from the premise that actually that um, men struggle. They struggle with um, societal expectations. They struggle to um, they struggle with. Uh, response to Me Too movement in some cases. Um, I had a really interesting conversation with a dad who had a three-month-old daughter and hadn't been out on his own with her, partly because, to a certain extent, partly because he wasn't comfortable being in an all-woman environment as a man, even though he was a dad, first and foremost. And it was really shocking to me that that was a barrier mm. to him engaging with um, parenting. 
Um, so that was that was quite an eye opener for me. So you've got this, you've got this sort of sense of fear, and then eighty percent of men become dads at some stage, and then things get ramped up, and you're pulled in different directions. You know that desire to be a perfect partner, to provide for your family, to have time for yourself, and also to be connected with your children. And it's hard to do everything, and men feel that pressure. And actually, if you can support them to take the leave that they're entitled to, to work flexibly ultimately it's good for their work-life balance it's good for their families um you know their family connection it's good for performance at work but also it starts a signpost to workplaces and to society more generally that it's not just about women do one thing and men do another and this i think is the key thing about why men's work-life balance matters to everyone because actually if you improve men's like work-life balance and you do that by encouraging them to work flexibly, work remotely, work in ways that have been traditionally associated with women in particular, and women with caring responsibilities, you start to say, actually, it's open to everyone. And if you've got this, if you've got a, um, if you've got two candidates going for a job, maybe they're both, say they're both 30, one, one's a man, one's a woman, they've both just got married, they're exactly the same, except one's a man and one's a woman. If you can't tell which of those, can, which one of those two candidates is likely to take extended, want to take extended leave and take extended leave because you've got great policies in place, or is going to want to work flexibly or remotely or whatever it might look like, if you can't tell, you can't then discriminate against the woman and assuming that she's not such a good bet because she's going to take nine months off. So we won't, you know, we're losing nine months. We might lose another nine months. And this is a, this kind of conversation, this sort of thought process goes through the mind of, of people who are in the hiring positions. But if actually you go, actually, man and woman, we don't know the man is going to take six months as well. And the woman's going to take six months. Actually, we're only going to judge them on capability and what they bring to the business, not on what their gender is. And I think that's why men's work-life balance matters to everyone is because you get it right for men, perversely, you actually, or perhaps perversely, I don't believe it's perverse, but, but unusually perhaps is the right way, unusually you unlock benefits in terms of equality in the workplace and also equality at home, because those men who are more closely, uh, those men who are trading time in the commute, time in the office to time at home, if they're great dads, then they're using that time to be, to be great husbands, great partners, you know, they're, they're in the home, they're doing things in the home and that frees up time, energy, headspace for their partners. And, you know, in a lot, a lot of relationships, you, dual income relationships, you both need to headspace to pursue your work and your priority, your work priorities and to get ahead. And actually, if, if the woman is the one putting in a second shift, a shift at work and then a shift at home, then that's bound to be um, be problematic for equality in in the relationship and equality um, sort of more broadly, you know, sort of in the workplace and society. So that's why men's work life balance matters. It's a it's a route into bigger bigger, uh, more interesting solutions. I think. Thank you very much for giving away some of the tidbits. That's you know, I I really believe very strongly in this and. Um, you know, having read and seen organizations where maybe one of the senior leaders either steps down because of care work or parents out loudly by saying, I am leaving today because my kid's baseball game or something like this trickles down much more and makes then also 
junior members of the company comfortable to do that. And um, so one of the things I would like to, um, you know, talk a little bit more is that often people still see care work or, you know, parental leave as a time where it's sort of, quote unquote, a career gap or where nothing, you know, no learning is being done. And obviously, we know this couldn't be, you know, further away from the truth because there are so many transferable skills that can be learned. But I'd love, you know, from your experience and also talking to other dads, what would be maybe three things you feel that get mentioned as like, you know, transferable skills from care work? Yeah, I think I think the number one is managing your emotions. I think I think you my experience with my, my wife's a lawyer and talking to my wife and, and you know lots of women that I know, I think the workplace in a male dominated workplace, male behaviors which could involve shouting and being aggressive and being very um into perhaps intimidating within the workplace i've seen it in my own work you know consultancy work and all the rest of it those kind of stereotypical male behaviors may work for a short time within a workplace you know that culture of sort of fear and and perhaps quite direct and confrontational sort of behaviors but you cannot use that with children it's that that sense of being able to manage yourself, especially with young children. I mean, I guess with any age, to be honest, because they they'll, they'll find there's there's different um, there's different challenges at different ages. I think, in my experience, it's something I had to learn really, really carefully about taking a breath, taking yourself outside of, you know, outside of the room. If you've got a crying baby, that ability to kind of go, okay, I'm going to take a step out. I'm going to take take a step away from this situation. I can compose myself, and then I'm going to address. I'm going to come back to it and be calmer and take take the time that you need to take. I think that's a skill that for men is something that could be, you could easily under underestimate how important that is to be measured and controlled because the alternative of being not measured and controlled is slapping your child. You know, that's the, you know, if, if you really can't control your, control your emotions. Um, so learning that skill, I think is a really, really important one. Uh, I think, yeah, I think, the one around time management ultimately is more about, uh, I guess it's not time management per se, it's more about focus. I think when you've got, um, when you're looking after children of whatever age, um, until they become quite relatively independent, maybe five, six, where they can do be left to do things, you've only got a finite amount of time to do what you need to do because there are, you know, your children take up take up time and there's time spent sitting with them, playing with them, that sort of thing. It's easier. Mine are 11 and 8 now. So they're downstairs, you know, they're making their own fruit. They're kind of, they've got some homework to do. It's relatively straightforward. But until you got to that stage, you've you've got a nail. If you've got five things to do and you've got a half hour window, you better get those five things done because there is no, there is no kind of, um, you know, there, it can't be done at another time. You just won't get them done. So I think it's really good for focus and motivation. I think that comes into, you see it, you see it a lot traditionally with women returning to work where, and, and actually to be fair, anyone who's got a hard deadline at the end of the day, right? I need to be out the door at five o'clock to do a nursery pickup. Doesn't half concentrate the mind about what you do between four and five in the afternoon. Someone who's, who's hard deadline, I was this, I was this man in, uh, in my twenties, my hard deadline was seven o'clock in the pub. I could waste between five and seven because, you know, I didn't actually have that much left to do that I needed to do my, my you know, 
it's a it's a different environment so it breeds i think i think looking after children breeds a sense of focus uh, as well uh and a third one um got calmness i don't know i don't want a good third one i think those two are I think they, can I just leave it at two? I think those two oh, sure. managing your emotions. I haven't got one that springs to mind at the moment, but I think managing your emotions and being focused are probably the the two um the two big ones. But I think oh I suppose the third one from I guess for men in particular is to and this one I know I know from experience when I was a young, you know, when I was a new dad, a young dad, young 33, I don't know, is that young? Um, when I first started. <laughs> I I was quite comfortable putting myself in an environment which was female dominated. So I was quite happy being the only dad at swimming or the only dad at monkey music or whatever activity it might be. I was very comfortable with that. But I used to, there was a dad's group that I used to go to where there were a lot of men whose only interaction with adults during the day was when they went to the dad's group and they went twice a week. They went on a Monday, a Thursday, whatever the days were but they wouldn't go, and then everything else they were doing solo, they wouldn't go and interact with women as kind of equals, as parenting equals. And I find that quite, I find that quite sad in some ways, but I think taking extended leave and solo looking after your pet, or looking after your children, it, it arms you with the skills to be able to do it. So if, if, if the worst comes to the worst, you know, if you have a relationship breakdown, if you've never looked after your children, and the judge, you know, this is, this is a bit of an extreme example, but if the judge, if, if there's no evidence that you've ever looked after your children, then the custody of your children is unlikely to lie with you on in a ratio that maybe you'd, you'd want. I think that's an extreme example. But, but if you get comfortable looking after your children, you get comfortable being in female environments, which you may not have been in before. I think it builds your interpersonal skills. And, you know, it's all very well for having great relationships with men who believe the same thing as you. But actually you'll grow a lot more as a person if you put yourself in an environment that perhaps you aren't necessarily comfortable in. If that's monkey music and sitting there and doing, where is monkey hiding? And doing that and singing along um, with eight mums, then I think you'll grow as a person as well and you'll have a richer and rounder life experience to draw on. Thank you so much, Ian. That's, you know, it, it's so interesting to hear this. I've talked to dads who were, as you described, the only dad in an environment like, you know, mommy and me group. And it was already named often mommy and me. So sadly, it's already the, the title feels exclusive, uh, you know, or not inclusive enough. And um, yeah, so I think if we look at, say, you know, Scandinavia, where it's more and more common to have more dads who are taking longer paternity leave, you know, I think that's where I'd love to see many more countries get to so that it becomes more normal. But I mean, I I so see it's like also the, you know, things that people don't anticipate they would ever do. If you ask somebody in their, I don't know, 20s and say, could you ever imagine singing along, you know, some music with other, you know, parents right i mean yeah. you don't i think that's often it's sort of you can't really imagine what you will do when you have a child and it's no longer just the focus on you and your own life but at another human being yeah 
there's a there's a there's a brilliant little there's a little financial um, acronym uh, which I think is was I, I wrote a blog post about it called this sitcom is no laughing matter and it's this idea you go from a dinky so dual income no kids yet I mean think is dinky and goes to sitcom which is a single income and something about an oppressive mortgage I think it is yeah, single income and a two, single income, two children, oppressive mortgage, and it's that I, that sense that actually things do change, and that's a lot of what what I do with inspiring dads is about helping men to to understand and, and navigate through that big change because that time you first become a dad, you really you're really under pressure. You're putting under pressure yourself. Um, a lot of the time, it's yourself. That, that's what, you know, a lot of it is about expectations around what being a great dad is. And, and what your role is and it can be it can be difficult to navigate that and you can be taking a lot of, a lot of anxiety and a lot of um, internal um, pressures because you want to be strong you want to be the rock for your for your partner and I think it, it does become it does become difficult but yeah any I mean the Scandinavian model as you said Karen is really interesting because um, they I think they do the, the model is kind of something approaching sort of equal leave for mums and dads and it's ring fence for dads and dads tend to send the more exciting second first year so from six months to a year and i believe they're known as latte dads that's the kind of idea yeah. it's lots of men going to coffee shops because they're all taking the six to one year six months and so they and so probably when you if you go to a baby group that's got um you know nine month old then they're probably then probably men outnumber women in those groups i suspect <laughs> I don't know for certain, but I reckon that might be the case because they're all they're all doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. It's um yeah, I talked to, you know, Tristan Champion, who is um a French citizen, but his wife is Norwegian, and so he got to experience what paternity leave is like in Norway. And it's what you just described. The kid was around, I think, four or five months old when he started the paternity leave and yeah yeah and i mean he, like what was amazing he was so inspired he wrote a book about it and with other um dad advocates actually lobbied the french government to increase paternity leave from two to four weeks yeah yeah Fantastic. so oh, I'll, have to, I'll, I'll have to check i'll have to check that i'll check that with you later yes 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 and now um so ian as we are, um, you know, coming to a close of our conversation, I'd love to kind of get your perspective going forward. Where do you see, like, you know, in the next maybe year or five years, how, you know, and maybe post-pandemic, whenever that might be, how do you sort of see what's going to happen? Flexible work, more involvement with that. What's, you know, your thoughts? I... It's it's a hard one because I think I think to a certain extent you're on a little bit of a threshold. I think I think it's falling in the what we would consider to be the right direction, which is a broad understanding that everyone everyone who'd worked in an office and we have to be quite careful. I think we have to be quite careful is that we are ultimately talking about jobs that can be done from home can be done flexibly, and it is a you know by by necessity it's a two tier system, three tier system. If you work in a supermarket, you're if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse. You know, any, any kind of frontline service in some ways, we don't have that flexibility. But if you're office-based, I think it will become, I think the businesses that take the time and care to understand how to support 
the new version of you know how people want to work will be the ones who get the best staff and i think in time the likes of goldman sachs who are reluctant to go that way or in fact are vehemently against that will in some form have to fall into place because their competitors will one by one be chipped away as the best the best talent and it won't be for everyone it'll be a generation shift as well i think you're seeing younger men are much more interested younger people generally are much more interested in flexible working you know it's easy to assume that all all young people want to be in the office because they don't like working from home i think it's much more nuanced than that but i think over time you will see much more you know much closer to a kind of maybe a three days in the office uh, mm -hmm. week and we use that for collaboration and the, maybe the top and start and end of the week are are, are are days where you can do other things and you, you don't commute as much you don't waste as much time you're more closely connected with your kids but i think that whole i think the pandemic has humanized the challenge that humanized the activity and opened open men's minds in particular to just how much care that goes into in family life and how much stuff needs to be done and who exactly historically has done that uh, and I think for a majority of men when they're ready to step up and be more involved and they're probably ready to to advocate for it and seize it when it's put in front of them. Thank you very much for you know your insights and thoughts and it was such a nice conversation and I hope to talk with you maybe, you know, in another year and see what is happening. And, you know, like, uh, and hopefully you don't have to extend your Lockdown Dead podcast further. For the moment, it's on it's pause. We, we wrapped it up. Yeah, we wrapped I, it up. Last one was on Freedom Day. So hopefully right. we won't have to go back. Freedom Fingers day. crossed, right. Yeah, and definitely. so for people who would like to contact Ian and find out more about where you know his his blog his website what I have put together is a um, a slide that um, you can find all of your contact information so I will put that in now as we are saying goodbye and uh, thank you so much again Ian for being on the show no problem at all Karen it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for listening to the show we hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.